Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to be together this morning, starting our day in prayer. Today is Tuesday, and we're in the 14th Sunday since Pentecost. Today we continue reading Mark's Gospel, reading the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hands are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The 11th chapter, beginning at verse 1. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Jesus was at the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. He then returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. We Americans don't really have much of a mind for symbolic actions, do we? For us, they seem much more like hollow gestures without much substance. That's probably why we have so much trouble with the Bible, especially with the prophets. 
The prophets speak in figures of speech and in parables, and they communicate God's word in a performative and symbolic way. That is, that they act out the message they have come to convey, and they leave that word and that image, that word of God, to do its work in people's hearts and minds. I think we have a tendency to discount this manner of communication. For us, words are words, actions are actions, right? Theater is theater, and the real world is the real world, and that leaves us then in a strange place when it comes to Jesus' humble yet triumphal entry into Jerusalem. For all the world, this is set up to look like the arrival and procession of the great and promised king to claim his throne in the holy city. And yet some might argue that nothing really happens here. Jesus is not crowned or given a throne. The whole city doesn't come out to praise him, nor does the whole nation rally to his cause. His disciples and followers do not seize control of the city, and no plans are made to set up a succession for a new form of government vested in this new Messiah. On one level, this is but a piece of prophetic theater. And at the same time, the message that is communicated through this and all that follows in this Holy Week is the good news about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, just as Mark told us in the opening lines of the book, which take us to this point, this week that's ahead of us. Because of that, we cannot say that this is just simply some kind of prophetic action, though it truly is. We also have to confess that this really is the arrival and procession of the Messiah into the holy city, that a crown and throne and glorification already await him, that the process is already set in motion to enthrone, crown, and glorify him, that like the great David or Solomon, he has come into the holy city, into God's presence to offer the sacrifice and then take his seat at God's right hand. It's all right here. But unless the Lord opens our eyes to see him and the coming of the kingdom, we will only be able to see the world as it appears to be and not as it truly is for us. Remember what Bartimaeus asked for. He asked for his eyes to be open. And then he followed Jesus on the way. This is what he's witnessing. This is what we're witnessing. You see, for us, having our eyes opened by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we read this story, we see the coming of the King. Not as we imagine kings to come, but as Jesus reveals what is truly meant in the promise of the Messiah. Each time we celebrate, then, the Lord's Supper, we join our voices to those shouting out in praise at the coming of the king who sacrifices his life for the life of the world and rises from the dead to take his throne at God's right hand. It is that fellowship, the fellowship of that realm that we enjoy when we celebrate the Eucharist. It is the fellowship of that realm and with that king that we go out into this day to proclaim. A pastor that I knew years ago used to conclude the service by reminding all who had gathered for worship to remember that wherever they go, they're on the king's business today. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. 
You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially, Lord, we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ, and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness for the gifts we enjoy in the relationship with others, and for the communion of faith that sustains us in your church. For what else are we thankful for? Merciful God, of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all of your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially, Lord, we pray for the people in Louisiana, the people who have been affected by Hurricane Ida, that you would come to their aid, that you would inspire the generosity and support of others, that you would uh, answer their prayers. We pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, and for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. We pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to fulfilling your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.